Hey, what's up? My name is DeAndre Kiera, and you are tuned in to an all new episode of Just Let It Glow podcast. And it is about the second or third week of January. And baby, I already know this year is going to be very, very eventful because this month has been very eventful. Good, bad, all of that in between. Honestly, I couldn't even record yesterday because honestly, I just. You know how, like, you're working hard, you're trying to get your shit together, and it's just, like, you're working, 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 and I honestly had, like, I had to go no nonverbal for, like, hours on Wednesday because I was communicating at a very high level for days on end, and when it came to, like, recording the podcast, I always tell you guys I don't like to record just for the sake of recording if my energy isn't correct or if I just feel burnout, you know, like this is a leisure thing that I really enjoy doing, but I never want you guys to like capture bad energy or, you know, anything like that. And I just really needed to be nonverbal. Like I go into spaces where if I'm talking a whole lot, it really just burns me down. Like if I'm just talking, talking, talking all day, like it just stresses me out. Or, like, communicating at a whole, like, at a high level. I get social. My Even though I do the podcast by myself, but it's, like, my social battery burn out sometimes. So I was just like, damn, I really need to be nonverbal. And it wasn't too much going on. And I didn't really have any thoughts. Like, I literally told my friend, like, I can't even come up with topics because I'm walking around with no thoughts. Like, my brain is Right. I felt like like those commercials when they used to be like, this is your brain on drugs. Like, no, this is my brain on a zero percent social battery. Um, but your girl was able to reset at a really good therapy session this week. And I was off for Martin Luther King Day. And as a black woman, I do not have to do service. My ancestors did that for me. So I took that as a day to do service for myself. Relax, relate, release. Yeah. So I did that and I was able to get back into juicing. I know I told y'all at the beginning of last year, like for the first six months of last year, I was really, really into juicing and I fell off sometime in the summertime. I was still juicing in the summer, but um, like after September, um, y'all know I did the hiatus. There was just so much going, things happening in my life that I kind of just fell off. But I'm back at it. I really love juicing. It is tiring, but it has a lot of health benefits. And I love those health benefits because um, I start to see, like, my skin clearing up. My digestion gets better. Um, my body feels better. You know, I just feel overall well. And before I start going to work out and stuff, I usually try to get my nutrition together because it's just, you know, it goes hand in hand. We got to take baby steps sometime. And um, I'm ready to go back to the gym. But instead of being so caught, like worried about how many calories I'm burning, how much fat I'm burning, I am going to go like regularly to the gym as usual because, you know, we care about mental health around here. But I also want to incorporate um, yoga because I struggle with meditation on my own a lot and like, I meditate for the most part, but I feel like I'm not stretching my body enough. I'm not stretching my mind. I'm not doing the right breathing techniques. And I know um, like going to a yoga class at least once a week would be very helpful. I took 
Um, I had like a yoga class in college and I really enjoyed yoga. It was very helpful to me. So I'm trying to do more things around my health in every facet and not just the physical, but the mental, like it's all, it all starts with the mental for me. Like I do best when I am doing what's best for me. And, um, that's what I have to remember. So yeah, if you guys are juicing days, let me know any cool recipes, you know, I have a few staples, um, that I have. So I'm always willing to incorporate more, um, into my diet. And if you have a really great yoga studio in Philly that takes class pass, definitely hit your girl up. The only thing is to be honest, I don't like traveling very far to work out. Like I live, um, uptown. So I'm just like, uh, if the shit is in center city, I kind of don't want to work out in center city. Like I kind of like to stay in the County like Monco for the most part when it comes to like stuff like that. So if it's somewhere like in Monco or like Chestnut Hill, let me know and I'll be definitely willing to go. Um, I probably need to get back with a trainer, but I'll get to that. I feel like I need to lose like a significant amount of weight on my own and then have a trainer to help me tone up. And I always say that shit and then I always say that stuff and then I fall off. So I kind of need to get my life in order and realize that the things I do don't always work. Like the, like just keep going back in the same circle over and over and over. So, um, yeah. What else has been going on with me? Like I said, I had a really great therapy session. Um, she, y'all, y'all know I'm single. So she was just asking me about like different relationships I had, like relationships I severed, um, in 2023 and like what is it that I'm looking for like in a relationship today and you know what I said I want somebody that compliments my spirit and I said that because I can list all the qualities I want in a partner I can list them I can say it somebody can listen to this episode somebody I'm dating can listen to this episode and just show me everything I listed right oh respectful kind this generous all of that stuff right but at, at the core of it, I want someone that compliments my spirit. I know I have done the work. I'm naturally a great person. And I know that the person I date has to compliment me in that way. Like, I can't be a person that moves in spirit and sweet and nice and care about people and um, have empathy and, you know, um, ambitious and all of these great things. I can't be these great things and then I trick somebody that's low vibrational. You know what I mean? That they, they don't match their energy. They're not kind-hearted. They don't move with spirit. They're not respectful. They lack ambition. You know, I don't want that. So I just put it out there for the universe to know, like, I want somebody that just honestly compliments my spirit. So that is what I am manifesting for myself. Um, and they will find me because one thing about it, two things for sure, I'm not looking. So um, that is, and also, you know, not just in male, you know, dating intimate relationships, platonically, again, I'm not looking for friends, but I do want to like put myself out there to, 
meet different people, create um, different networking opportunities, associates, people I can do like, hey, you know, this person has an art gallery showing. I would love to attend with a friend or, you know, different things or like they know this networking uh, mixer or whatever it is, or we like to try different foods together. Like I like stuff like that. So I'm always manifesting new relationships because you just never know what happens in life. So healthy relationships and a healthy relationship starts with myself. So if for not for nothing this year is going to be a year where I'm sacrificing for self. Um, One of the things I always naturally do is literally the first five months of the year, I'm in hibernation mode. And I think a lot of people don't understand it. During this time, like even most of the people that I'm close to, we all are kind of similar. So I'm in hibernation mode. That means for the most part, I'm not going out too much unless it's a reason to go out. I'm very much eating very healthy. I'm at the gym. I'm juicing. I'm working hard. I'm getting my goals together. I'm saving money. I'm living life, you know. I'm I'm really sacrificing to, you know, put myself in a better position at the latter part of the year. Um, I know a lot of people don't do that. I would suggest doing it. It's easier to sacrifice during this time of the year because if you live on the Northeast, it is 20 degrees outside right now. It is nothing for me to do out in these streets. I don't want to drink. Like, during this time, I rarely ever drink. I don't eat out. I don't hit restaurants because I hate going outside the door. Like, I go to work. I hit the gym. I hit grocery shopping. (laughs) I juice. I might go to brunch a time or two with friends, but spend time with family. But for real, for real, I like to hibernate during this time. Because I just feel like this is a growing season and I need to be by myself to, you know, continue to grow um, on my own. You know, I kind of need to, like, move without distraction. So that's a little tidbit about what I do. Hopefully, you know, you guys let me know some things that it's like a natural ritual for you. Like, what do you do during this time of the year? Like. How are you preparing for the rest of the year, you know? But that's one of the things I do. I I go into total hibernation. And usually during that time, I only want to be around good spirits. Like, I only want to be around people that, like, kind of, like, good. Like, I don't want nobody with no bull crap. Y'all, speaking of bull crap... Let's really talk about this young thug case. Now, I don't know the specifics. I know he has a RICO charge by the state of Georgia. It's not a federal case. And that case looked like an episode of Reno 911. Like, it is such a freaking circus that it's this woman on TikTok that I follow. Her name is, I'm not a lawyer, but... Type that into TikTok and you, she'll catch you up on everything that is going on with this case. This woman is a gem because I really don't understand what's happening in this court and apparently no one else is either. Um, shout out to Young Thug's uh, best friend. His name is Don Travius, but they call him Slug. This guy is the epitome of deflect, 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 deflect. They literally have this case where it's basically 
it, the basis of this case is speculation. They honestly have no real proof of anything, and they are trying to collect the dots through social media. This the prosecutor asks Don Travius, um, young thug's name. So he says, Jeffrey. He said, what do you call him? So he's like, bruh or bro. But what do you call him? And he's like, bruh. And they're like, no, but what is his name? So he's like, Jeffrey. No, but what do people, What he said, I don't call him what people call him. I call him bruh because we grew up together. And they're like, so like, what is his name on Instagram? And he was like, I don't call him his name on Instagram. That's Instagram. So it's like, what are you trying to get him to say? And then it's like, for every acronym they present, it's like, they're coming up with something else. They ask him, why did he get red ink? That is um, like um, a sign of being in the, you know, the game, the bloods. And he was just like, no, that's just the color that shows up on my skin. And I want it to be different. Like, this case is a hot mess, but what took the cake for me was the prosecutor playing lifestyle in the middle of the court. Usually in cases like that, like if you would have saw like the Bobby Schmurda case, they did not play the music. They read the lyric. So like you're in, you're watching everybody in the courtroom trying their hardest not to bob their head. And I'm telling you right now, I don't really know what he's talking about in that song. I don't know nothing about no gangs and nothing like that. I just know that song was a peak of my early 20s when I was outside having fun and me and the girls were speeding up Broad Street, having fun, singing Lifestyle, wearing Jeffrey Campbell's shoes, honey. Like, I don't know what y'all talking about. Like, wearing uh, Ruby Woo lipstick. That was a pinnacle part in my time. And I was just like, yeah, bring back, like, 2013 to 2016 life. I was outside and I was living life. So I don't know what y'all talking about, but like free thug, because at this point, <laughs> y'all don't have a case and y'all probably should have waited to not pull the gun on this until you guys had a solid case, because all of this is speculation and it's honestly making a mockery of the justice system that there is so much things and crime happening in Atlanta that y'all pull it this you know, y'all are saying that this is a crime organization, but for y'all to pull a crime organization into an investigation like this and not have concrete evidence and everything is circumstantial and opinionated and y'all are trying to cross hairs to make things fit that you do not have direct proof of and things that can be deflected or changed is very ridiculous. And it's a, way of, it's a waste of the government the citizens of Georgia tax paying dollars when people in Atlanta can barely have a car because they keep getting stolen and nobody is finding, finding these stolen cars. There is literally a trafficking crisis in Atlanta and y'all are pulling Young Thug and his friends and everything in because y'all feel like they're a menace to society. That's debatable. However, where is the proof? Where is the proof? There are so many things happening in Atlanta that could probably use help. 
And this is the thing that y'all focusing on. And it's a mockery. It's a joke. I can't take this court case serious. I feel like I'm watching like an episode of like a parody show. Like this seems like a parody show. This seems like a Dave Chappelle like skit to me. Like I can't take it serious. So I don't know. Get it together, Georgia State. Uh, Speaking of Joe... I know that I'm probably going to die on a long hill about this, and I'm going to take a sip of my little drink. My little sippy sip of my wine, out my wine glass before I say this. Now, when I first heard about Little Miss Gypsy Rose a few years ago, I watched a documentary that was on HBO, and I was like, you know, I do feel like she probably don't understand right and wrong because what was presented to us was that she didn't have much, she didn't know much about like real life right and wrong and that she just grew up watching fairy tales and she knew that the way that the prosecution set it up is that not the prosecution, her defense set it up is where she didn't understand right and wrong. She just understood that her mom was the villain and that in order for her to leave her mom's house, she has to kill the villain. Her Prince Charming has to kill the villain and she has to be free. Honestly, based on things that I have seen about the Hulu documentary or the Lifetime documentary and the updates since she's been in prison, Unfortunately, I don't feel like Gypsy and her amount of time in jail still understands right and wrong. I feel like that is still an issue. Now, we all debate like everything isn't a black and white. It's not right and wrong. Sometimes there's some gray in the middle. But I feel like Gypsy still struggles with understanding the basic idea of what's right and what's wrong. And I'm not totally sure that she is as rehabilitated as she is. And I don't feel like she got the mental health treatment that she needed while in prison. I feel like I don't think she should be in prison, but I do think that upon being released, that she should have been evaluated for some time in a mental institution while she absolutely understands and everybody can give her a clear diagnosis mental health diagnosis because I don't believe she has one but like how do you before she's released into society we have to look at the fact that she knew that she could walk but due to her mom's man child's by proxy disease she pretended out of safety that she did not know how to walk because if she act like she could walk it would upset her mom she was drugged with an insane amount of medications that really honestly she probably shouldn't be here she was you know put in positions where you know she had countless amount of surgeries she was neglected um she her growth was stunted her her life was just stunted so i do think she experienced an insane amount of trauma that don't feel like prison helped resolve And I feel like it's one of those things within our justice system that we are quick to imprison people. But when it comes to rehabilitation, we ignore it. I don't know if Gypsy Rose is actually rehabilitated or she just did her 
time. You know, she paid her dues to society, but she's released back into a society where she still at like I think she's like 27, 28 now, maybe maybe 30. Let's look it up how old Gypsy Rose is. She's a older girl and she still um lacks basic um understanding of you know right and wrong let's see how old is gypsy rose oh she's 32 oh she she about my age she was born in 91 yeah I, I damn sure don't think that she understands what right and wrong is and since she's been released it's been a couple of things that i just find weird i find her on tiktok too creepy for me. I, I don't get it. I don't think she needs to be on TikTok. If you look back on it, she met her last boyfriend that she conspired to murder her mother with on Facebook and was saying very sexual things in there while pretending to be a 15-year-old. Like, uh, Yeah, she was pretending to be a lot younger. I think she was 21, but she was saying she was 15. Or she was told she was 15, but actually was 21. Um, very weird things. Um, I saw a clip in the documentary where you find out that she stated, and honestly, she was honestly abused her entire life. That's why I said I'm not victim shaming her. I just don't feel like her going to prison helped her in any way, shape, or form. Because she stated that she was sexually assaulted by her grandfather and the grandfather says, oh, um, actually, she sexually assaulted me when she was four years old. Who says that? Like, it's very scary to understand the amount of trauma this girl has went through in her lifespan. And to think that going to prison for seven to eight years for her, the death of her mother the murder of her mother that she conspired with her ex-boyfriend did the trick and taught her her lesson, I think is very ignorant. And I think it's very um, neglectful of the justice system. And it kind of goes back to when do we actually rehabilitate people or and just send them back out into the world? You know what I mean? Like she stated that her husband, she got married while she's in prison to a, another man, not the man that um, went to prison for killing her mom, but she um, stated basically that her husband's controlling ways reminded her of her mother. And I'm like, you know, what happens when his controlling ways trigger that fight, flight, or fawn in her and she actually decides to fight back and he is now harmed because he's exhibiting triggering and traumatizing behavior that she experienced her entire life, you know, without her getting proper treatment and um, being able to re rehabilitate. I don't really feel like she will be out of prison for the rest of her life. I feel like there will be a reason as to why she goes back and, I feel bad about that. Like, I honestly do. I kind of feel like she's set up for failure. Um, And like I said, I could be totally wrong. And you guys can be like, no, she, her mom was a terrible person. I'm not going to argue with you there. Her mom was a sick, you know, bro and very nasty. And I feel like there were a lot of things that um Gypsy went through that we still don't know about. Um, 
And I honestly feel like she needs to find all those doctors that um, prescribed her chemo medicine or whatever life-sustaining medicine that she did not need or diagnosed her as paraplegic or whatever, or cerebral, I think they said she had cerebral palsy and she didn't. She needs to go find them and sue all of them for their licenses because the medical system definitely let her down. I feel like she needs to sue the heck out of them. But um, we'll see about Little Miss Gypsy, but it's not looking too good. So one of the topics that I wanted to talk to you guys about was basically with Supercent. And she stated, y'all know I like Supercent. She is the owner of the Crayon case. She's a social media influencer. Um, and I like her. I think she's a real cool girl. I think she's very down to earth. I think to a fault, she's very relatable. So when I'm talking about this, I don't want y'all to think I'm talking about her specifically, but I realize a lot, and we've talked about this topic in the past. She basically broke up with her fiance due to the fact that they had a physical altercation while being on the side of the road. And out of the fact that she said that they had gone into the new year that they didn't want to physically fight anymore. They didn't want to do that. They didn't want to keep that in their relationship, although they introduced it um, with, you know, fighting each other or gripping each other up or whatever it looked like. She did, She no longer wanted that to be a part of their relationship. He reacted in a way that was physical towards her and, um, it made her, she wanted to break up with him. And she did take ownership that she also put her hands on him, um, but realized that it's very unhealthy that, you know, she didn't want to continue down that road. It wasn't a good look. And my thing that I wanted to talk about on the show, and it's not specifically with her, is that I always tell people that when I say I don't like that, I don't play those type of games, I don't feel like as adults you should put your hands on each other. I don't feel like you should put your hands on nobody unless you are trying to save your life. It's because once you open up a door for something, you do not have the power to close it. We all have grew up without each other, right? When you are dating somebody, you do not know what they saw growing up. They might not even really understand the things that they saw growing up. There might be things that happen that's in a far recess of their mind, but it feels natural to react in this way, and they don't understand why. One of that being is being frustrated and lashing out physically. And it just shows that we weren't taught and a lot of ways to communicate verbally and uh, communicate effectively. Like the yelling, the screaming, the fighting, the pushing, the pulling. Once you introduce that physicalness in your relationship, no matter the relationship, you can't close it. Think about it like this. You have a falling out with your friend. You restrain yourself for the most part not to ever hit your friend. For the most part, you're able to communicate or you walk away. But if you do choose to get physical with your friend, after y'all get physical, y'all usually don't stay friends, right? 
Like, you usually are like, oh, no, once we fight, like, that's it. We're not going to be cool. We're not going to be good Judies. We're not going to do none of that. Like, we're going to fall off, stay a distance, keep a distance, and it is what it is, right? That's usually what happens, and that's fine. Like, me personally, if you put your hands on me as my friend, like, there's no going back for us. Even as a family member, if we get physical... Baby, we're going no contact after that. Like, we are going no contact after that. Like, there's nothing for us to talk about because I'm 33 years old. I'm not fighting anybody. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, I'm not risking my life for you people. So in a relationship, I'm definitely not going to do that because one, I I date men. I'm not a man. I'm not stronger than a man. I can defend myself, you know, I will honestly say, won't nobody ever beat me up, but at the end of the day, I'm not no man. So I can't put my hands on somebody and I never grew up understanding that they wouldn't hit me back. And I know that once you open that door and you start that, you have to leave. Once you open that door of physicality within any relationship, you have to walk out the door because there is no going back. That means once you did that, once you hit, some people are looking for a reason to lash out at the end of the day. So that's one time that you got mad at your partner because they did whatever and you mushed them or you, you, um, you kind of grip them up by their neck or whatever it is that you do or you swing on them. Even if you miss, you open up the doors for them to be like, oh, okay, this will be doing cool. I wasn't even going to do that to you. But, you know, you put it out there. We can now do this and we, we can be cool. A lot of people get off on that type of stuff. A lot of people, you know, not going to make the first swing because they don't want to look abusive. But once you open that door up, you left the windows open for them to, you know, feel like they can physically attack you at any point in time because you obviously cool with it. You know, think about it. How do you lay down with somebody after physically fighting? If you got into a fight on the street, are you going to end up in bed with that person? No. If you fought your best friend, are y'all going to be best friends the next day? No, y'all not going to be cool. So is, is somebody in a relationship to put your hands on somebody and think that it's a one-time thing? No, stop doing it. You have no control. You don't know what the other person is thinking. And because you made it comfortable for them to do it, they can say that, yeah, I agree. I don't think we should put our hands on each other no more, right? But you opened up the door for it. So even by natural reaction, they know that you okay with the hand games. They might swing on you again when you piss them off because now you didn't show them that you're willing to communicate differences. So now they don't think that you are going to listen to what they have to say. They think you're going to get upset and want to lash out physically so they don't even try to communicate verbally anymore because you opened up that physicality and the older we get we have to be mindful of these things 
and be truthful because not only for you, but especially people with children, your kids see this and your kids marry this behavior. And you're probably marrying this behavior because you saw this behavior and you normalize this behavior. Due to how I grew up, I understood that this is toxic behavior. You know, this is not anything I ever want to do in my adult life. It never makes sense to me when I see it. And, you know, I grew up in, you know, West Philly. I've seen a lot of stuff. And I know that couples fight and they argue and they do whatever. And I've seen it. I've been all up in people to you. I've been, I watched it. I see, you know, Miss Jones, she pick up her husband's stuff every Friday. Every time he get drunk from the bar, she picking his shit up, his stuff up, and she's throwing it outside with the with the trash because he put his hands on her. He came in drunk. He made whatever. We seen all of that stuff. We seen, you know, somebody flirting and being messy and their wife punches them in the face. Like we've seen all of that stuff. Why, why are we repeating behavior that we didn't understand as children? We don't need to bring in physical warfare into our relationship because how do you say you love them? Even with children, how do you say you love people? But the only way that you can communicate with them is with your fists and you have to work on you. And they have to work on them separately because it's something about the two of you and your childhood traumas that makes you feel like that it's okay to put your hands on people. And that's not to put, you know, Super or her man down. They're just the example, but they're not the focal point. It's just that it happened. You know what I mean? But we all know people or we've been in a situation. And I say it all the time. I've been in spaces where, you know, I may have wanted to, like, it's like when somebody cuts you off when you're driving, you want to hop out your car and curse them out and do all of that. But common sense tells you not to, you know, I've dated men that have pissed me off and I had to count to 10 because I felt an intense amount of rage. But as an adult that dates, I know that I can't take whatever I'm going to receive back. You know, if I disrespect you, even not even physical, like call you out your name, scream, yell, call you names. I can't take that back. And then I call you a name and you can call me something worse. I know that there is just a level of disrespect I ain't going from. And it ain't even, like I said, physical. I call you a name and you say something disrespectful to me, like, Dang, how are we supposed to go back to that when you just called me a slut or a whore or whatever or anything? Like, how am I supposed to be okay with it? Like, now I'm supposed to still be in a relationship with you and when you get mad, you call me these names? Or B-I-T-C-H, like, whatever. Like, how do we move forward? How do we fall back in love? We don't. We're just two people dealing with the same stuff over and over and over again because we weren't taught any better and we didn't seek better knowledge. So I would say if for nothing else, always keep your hands to yourself. 
I'm still speaking on relationships. I mean, this last couple of weeks, we just seen how people relationships and their inner workings of their relationship work and realize like, you know what? What is your disrespect? One thing I realized a long, 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 long time ago. I don't get involved in people mess in their relationships. I only know the stuff I'm not willing to, that's a deal breaker for me. I know where my threshold for disrespect it starts and begins. But I used to be like, dang, that's disrespectful. Like, girl, why is you with that person? Like, it's, that is like, that's no going back from it. Like, you can't go back from that. And one thing I realized is people definitely can go back from the craziest stuff. I've seen it. I've seen the craziest stuff happen within relationships. And where I thought, like, yeah, after that, it's a wrap, right? No, it's not a wrap. It's pretty much back on. Like, they're pretty much sticking around. And one thing I realized is their threshold ain't nowhere. Like, my threshold for disrespect and their threshold just not the same. And that's not to say I'm better than anybody or that I'm, you know, somebody's better than me. It's just, it is what it is. You know, I have to put myself in the understanding is I got to live with my life. I got to live my truth. I got to do what's best for me. I know what I can't deal with and I know what I can deal with. I know what I can tolerate and I know what I'm never going to tolerate. But that does not have anything with Sally Sue. Sally Sue can probably tolerate a b c and d right solid solid sue can probably and i'm just gonna give an example of mess right me i might be somebody where it's like you publicly embarrass me or you embarrass me to a point where i'm like no nah, i can't go back from it like you're disrespectful like let's say you cheat or you lie or you know whatever or somebody come to me as a woman only me and that other woman could know that she came to me as a woman and had proof of my man drawing. And that would be enough for me to never talk to him again because nobody should be, as a Scorpio, I'm a very private person. Nobody should even feel comfortable speaking to me. So that's my threshold. I'm ripped up like that. But Sally Sue, don't nobody know that her man cheating on her. Just her and a cheeky chick that brought it to her. So she'll probably be upset, but she going to take Billy Bob back because it wasn't public, right? It was in between them, right? So her threshold is a little bit different than mine. But Mary Jane, man, he done went, um, let's call him Jack. Mary Jane and Jack, they done let they dirty laundry out on the internet. He done had a baby on her. Her threshold probably is he don't want her man taking care of that baby, so he don't take care of that baby, but she's sticking beside him. Me, as somebody that's not dealing with cheating at all, is like, no, nah, that's crazy. I would never be with him. Sally Sue, she looking at it like... Oh, he did that in public? Oh, I'm never dealing with that. Even though her mess is just as messy, right? And Mary Jane, she like, well, you know, ain't like he messing with the baby mom no more because he just pay, gives her money. But there might be somebody else like, oh, no, I wouldn't deal with this either, you know? 
or it might be another chick like um Rhea Anderson. She babysitting the kids. She gonna babysit. We all a uh, um, blended family. Everybody's threshold is different. And one thing I'm learning is I can't put my threshold in other people's life because it makes absolutely no sense. You're not going to get me to understand it. I'm not going to find it relatable. Actually, I don't care because it's not my life, but I can't want more for, I can't want something else for you if you don't want it. You know what I mean? I'm not even going to say want more for you. I can't want something for you that you don't want. I can't give you, I can't wish that upon nobody in my life. I can pray on it for you, pray that you see things my way. But again, that's my way. That ain't the right way. It's just how I would move. You know what I mean? And I bring that up to say because there had been an issue between Tamar Braxton and Jesse Wu. Jesse Wu basically feels like, you know, Tamar Braxton has what she's called an embarrassment kink where she enjoys for men to embarrass her publicly and take them back. As we all know, J.R. is Tamar's boyfriend. They broke up for whatever reason as a get back during a time when she was beefing with another reality star named Tommy Lee. He went out on a date with Tommy Lee. She takes him back a week later after said date with Tommy Lee. And Jesse Wu just feels like she has a kink about being embarrassed. Like she absolutely enjoys for men to embarrass her. And she will willingly take men back despite the embarrassment because she has this my man, my man, I stand by my man type of mentality. I realize that, yes, she absolutely probably do have this kink. However, maybe she's not embarrassed. You know what I mean? Maybe this is not a big deal for her. Maybe she has a high tolerance of disrespect. Me personally, I would be absolutely embarrassed. That man would never be able to talk to me. I would never claim him. I would act like this this fallacy has never happened. Like this part of my life has never occurred. You're a liar. Stop making up fake tales on me. I don't know that man. That's how I would react to it. Like I am in denial. You would have to like really beat it in my head that I did it him. Like I wouldn't know. You know, like for me, I don't get no embarrassing kink. That is the worst thing you could probably do is embarrass me. Like, I don't like it. I don't fool with it. I'm not with none of it. Like, no, 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 no. But with Tamar, we have seen her, you know, really embarrass herself, embarrass other people, been embarrassed by the men that she date, have very theatric sob story theatrics where she has looked absolutely asinine and absolutely ridiculous but yet she continues to do these things you know and I just realized you know I can't be in other people's bedrooms like it just makes no sense for me and I would never you know get on the internet Jesse Wu and this was the shady part for you regardless um, I would never get on the internet and kind of like bash my friend about it. I just kind of would remove myself because 
I know that women that are in these types of situations where a man can like absolutely make them look crazy, absolutely embarrass them, disrespect them, that you usually are not the best of friends to have. And when they go through it, you go through it with them and it's disrespectful. They pull you into their BS. There's always something and there's no right or wrong thing you can say. And it's very hard to be there for those type of women because they most of the time treat, and I said this before, they treat their friends and the people around them like the man or the person in their life treats them. So, yeah. Um, also, I saw like that um, T- Tiny's daughter, Zanique, and her child's father, Ben Hunt, Bad Hunter Izzy, were going um, viral because he basically they had like this Q and A YouTube, and he basically was just saying he didn't think that they would be together. Um, they're not together, but he said that they would have broken up a lot sooner had their daughter had they not had their daughter because he has three other children with other women and he's not with them you know and she kind of and he wanted to at least for his fourth child stick it out and have and grow up in a house with his child and she wanted to have a two-parent home for her child at one point and um Here's the thing. I think that Zanique is young. I don't think that we need to have any think pieces on their relationship. I just think she's a young girl. I think she has to figure out what it looks like to have a man like the guy she has. You know, sometimes we date people that just grow up very differently from us. And he's a very different type of person where he's very nonchalant. And she might get his humor, but to other people, when it's on a public display, it is embarrassing. Like, everything is embarrassing. You know, it's kind of bad taste for his jokes. Like, other people are just not going to get his personality. He can very well love her and all of this other stuff, or he can very well not give a damn, but... I think that she didn't have the best example of loving relationship. And I think certain things just take a long time. And we all dated nonchalant men. They think that stuff is funny that it's just not. So I don't think that she needs a think piece. I just think that she's a young girl and she got to figure out what it is that she wants out of her relationship with him. You know, if there's no relationship at all, Thank you, God. If it is a relationship, she might have to just, you know, bite the bullet, figure it out, because sometimes it just doesn't make sense, you know? Doesn't make sense at all. And dating a man like him that's super nonchalant, super dry, no real, you know, romance about them. They just didn't grow up that way. They're very closed off, very emotionally unavailable. Um, very careless with their words. It just causes, it's a cause for a lot of heartbreak. And honestly, I feel like the backlash she received was from a lot of women that are just like, listen, I've been here, you know, it's just going to get a lot worse. And I think sometimes it just comes off as projection. You know, we all project. And even, you know, when I give advice to like people younger to me, I try to say, you know, 
you can do whatever it is that you want to do. I'm going to tell you my experience and this situation that you're telling me, it kind of looks like my experience. So if we're nothing else, just listen to what I say. But I usually tell that to people I actually know and not strangers on the internet. I just think that somebody like her, she doing the best she can with what she got. And we see how her parents are. They're still going through the mess. So the expectation probably should be low about what this young girl is going to accept. Um, but again, your threshold for BS is probably a lot, lot, lot less than the next person's threshold. So next, I want to get into the glow up topic. Before I, before I do, I want to let you guys know that February we are back with a whole new book for our read and glow book of the month. We are making it nostalgia and honor Black History Month. This is a black staple, okay? This is an urban fiction staple. This is the first book that most people read when we were younger. And we are going to read Fly Girl by Umar Tyree. Fly Girl is about a young girl that grew up in Philadelphia. Her name is Tracy. She is that girl. She is growing up in the 80s. And we are going to watch her and some of her friends grow up. Um, so for February, starting February 1st, we are going to read for our Read and Glow Challenge, Fire Girl by Umar Tyree. I believe it's on Audible. I believe you can get it from Libby, uh, Nook, Amazon Prime, buy the real book. I have the book in paperback. I'm probably going to read it on my phone on Kindle. Um, I can't wait. I'm going to post the graphics for you guys. We're going to meet on Zoom. Um, the first week of March, first weekend in March, probably the first Sunday in March, so that we can discuss discuss the book. So make sure you guys go check it out. I know that we're supposed to do December and January, but baby, life was life in, and November was a good trial, and it was great, and we loved the book that we read in November. So if you want to read the book that we read in November, it was Before I Let Go by Kennedy Ryan for February to kick off our 2024 book of the month. We are going to read Fly Girl by Umar Tyree. When I say this book is nostalgic, and I can't wait to read it as an adult with Foley, you guys, so I can really break down the nuances and the different things that I probably didn't pick up when I was a teenager reading this book. I can't wait to do it. Let's read a really good tale. If you never read Fly Girl, you're in for a treat. If you read it before, let's, let's dig in, let's dissect, let's see if our thoughts are still the same as adults. So, definitely tip and reach out to me if you would love to join. Again, the book is Fly Girl by Umar Tyree. We will be meeting on Zoom. I want you guys to join the Zoom because I want to hear all of you guys' opinions while we chat about it. And if you have any books suggestions for our next book of the month in March, please reach out and let me know. All right, let's get into the Glow Up Challenge. Well, Glow Up Topic. We're not doing a Glow Up Challenge yet. Okay, so um, earlier this week, I came across a TikTok from a trauma therapist that basically um, stated, you know, what if, why it feels like, although you're in therapy, although that you're healing spiritually, although you're doing the work, why sometimes it feels like you're not over something and why something may still hurt you. So I'm going to play her video and then I'm going to give you my opinion. So give me one second. 
hurts is not proof that you're not healing. It's evidence that you're still connected to the version of yourself that experienced that pain. I was talking to a client about how, like, as she gets healthier and gains more perspective, it still hurts. The things in the past still really hurt. And it can feel like I'm not healing, I'm not growing, what's going on? When really what's happening is as you're getting healthier, you're gaining more perspective for the pain that you experienced in the past. And so the things that you were desensitized to before, you're gaining a sensitivity for how painful and how bad and how tragic and how heinous a lot of those things were. When you're in it, you can sometimes find excuses. It's not that bad. It's fine. But when you get out and you get healthy, you start to realize just how bad that environment was for you. So yes, you're healing. And yes, it still hurts. It hurts because you're still connected to the version of yourself that was wounded. And the version of yourself that has the wound has the wisdom that you need today. Okay, so shout out to Kobe Campbell for that. Um, I felt like I've been through that with therapy where it's like I felt like I thought I was over something that we may have talked about or I was over something that happened years ago. But I also know that I was very emotionally unavailable a few years ago. And when things would happen, I would be like angry and then it would just go away. I would just ignore it. I'll act like it never happened. I'll just move on with my life. Very, you know, I told you guys before, we're no longer being unbothered. If something bothers us, it bothers us. But it was very on brand to be unbothered. When we were kids, it was, you know, shit happens. We know other people that have had a lot worse situations. You know, it's okay. Like, you know, two tears in a bucket, you know, it, you know, type of thing. And, or, you know, like even very small nuances of, you know, not being told, being told not to feel our emotions, right? Like, you know, like, getting your feelings hurt and somebody tells you to stop crying or getting a whipping and being told, you know, like stop before I give you something to cry about. Those are the things that stunts your feelings, stunts your emotions, stunts your growth. And it has been embedded in us, you know, to feel these things or just being told to let stuff go that bothers you. You know what I mean? Like even if you're in school and somebody is picking on you and for somebody to be like, Oh, you know, those are just words. Words can't hurt you. And it's like, no, we have learned that physical harm has let, can have less impact than emotional abuse or verbal abuse. Those words that you say to people, it sticks with them. You know what I mean? Those things that you heard, it sticks with you. And also being able to identify those emotions and also feeling remorse for yourself during that time when probably you didn't have anybody to feel bad for you. You had nobody around that sympathized with what you were going through. Like, I'll just be transparent and I'll share something with you guys. Quite honestly, a few years ago, I realized that my second semester of college, I was severely depressed. I never felt depression before in my life. I didn't I didn't feel suicidal. I used to just think that like depression meant like you're suicidal, right? What I didn't understand that it could be is unmotivated, um, and ag- agitated, um, not wanting to get out of bed, like ignoring things, you know. A bunch of different things I would do. Um, English was always my favorite subject. Like, I would go to English all the time. 
for some reason, for an entire semester, on Fridays, I would never go to my English class. I would literally skip skip my fucking in- freaking English class and go back home or sleep through it. And it's, mind you, it was like one in the afternoon. Like, I just did not want to go. And my English teacher was like, I mean, when you do your papers, you pass, but you don't like showing up for my class. And I was just like, screw you. Like, I just did not care what he was talking about. Um, And a lot of it was just like, I just couldn't get out of bed most days. Like, I would be late to classes. Like, I was closed off a lot. Like, I was sad. I didn't know why I was sad. Um... I just felt like, and then I was sad because I felt like I was being lazy. And then when I felt like I was being lazy, I felt like I was a failure. So it just made me even more depressed. And I just honestly just kept being like, I want to go home. I want to go home. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I don't want to be in school. Like, I don't want to be bothered. I felt like I didn't have a moment to myself. And honestly, I just didn't know what was wrong with me. I remember, you know, I did decent that semester, like, by the skin of my teeth, but I didn't do great. You know, I did not do a great job at all during that time. Um, And I just did not give a shit. Like, I just didn't even care. Like, the day I took my, like, last final, like, I barely, like, picked my clothes. Like, I just was throwing my stuff into bags. When my grandpa came and got me, I was ready to go home. Like, I didn't even know if I wanted to come back the next semester. I didn't, I just thought I was lazy. Like, I just kept saying I was lazy, lazy, lazy. And it wasn't until, like, I started to understand what depression looked like that I feel remorseful. I feel bad for that 19-year-old version of me that was literally drowning but didn't even know how to tell anybody that she's drowning. Like, I would put on a facade and act happy and be my regular outgoing self when I knew for a fact I just was not feeling well. Like, I just did not want to be around people. And I kept feeling like I just always had to be like, oh, yeah, everything's fine. Everything's good. And, like, have a good time and be, you know, the normal me, like, pretend to be the normal me where I have, like, good energy. I'm doing well. When in reality, most times I just wanted to, like, be curled up in a corner by myself, like, not even wanting to talk. So a lot of times, like, where I'm no longer in that state, I look back and I just feel sad. I feel bad for that person. I I vividly remember how I felt during that time. And mind you, nobody knew that I was depressed. And it wasn't anybody's fault as to why I was depressed. And it's not their fault that they didn't know I was depressed. But I just worry like, damn, what if like one day I just did not feel good at all? And I didn't even understand what happened. Like, you know... I was just stressed so far beyond relief about school to the point where I began ignoring school. Like school became so hard that I just started to ignore it, you know, or like not eating well, not, you know, taking care of myself, not sleeping. Like that's when my insomnia started. I would be up till four or five o'clock in the morning because I just couldn't go to sleep. Like I always was worried about something. So it was just like, I would be up all night and I would oversleep in the morning. Like, it was just crazy. And I think sometimes like, damn, like, 
I really identify with that moment because I'm like, it's just so crazy. Like now when I have anxiety or I feel depressed because of my anxiety, I can identify it, right? I can identify it. I know the tools. So obviously I'm over that moment. Like I told y'all, I graduated college. I did very, very well. I have a very good career, but I oftentimes I'm like, dang, when I catch myself, you know, falling into that depression, I'm able to identify, I'm able to do um, methods to counteract it. But I start to feel sad for that version of me that was drowning and didn't know how to swim, you know, like they didn't have a lifeboat, didn't have anybody to help her because she just didn't know what was wrong with her. Like, I didn't know what was wrong with me. And um, I have empathy for that version of myself and I have empathy for several versions of myself where, you know, things had happened you know, and I didn't even realize, even now, you know, there could be a situation that happened a couple months ago and I probably handled it in a moment, but the further I think about it sometimes when I can identify what it made me feel, when I give myself the grace to feel something and give my grace, give myself grace to understand me in that moment and to give myself love, I start feeling like, well, damn, on top of that, it really showed me this. And it's like, it's not that I'm not over it, but I'm realizing emotions that I buried deeply that I didn't acknowledge because I was just too worried about being unbothered and moving forward and having, you know, put put my big girl drawers on and walking away like, okay, whatever. You know, even when we think about friendships or jobs or traumas that occurred, you might be over like one trauma, let's say like you were in a really, really bad relationship and you're like, I don't want to be with that person. I definitely don't want them bad. You know, I don't want revenge. I don't want to be bothered. But when you think about that time in your life, you're probably realizing different things that occurred because, you know, five, six years ago, a lot of us didn't even know what narcissism was, right? But as we learn more about it, you're probably realizing, like, damn, that was narcissistic abuse. This person, this one time, they did something wrong, but they made me feel bad about it. You know, we're basically, are within healing ourselves and giving us grace to heal and being kind to ourselves and understanding our past so that we can have a better future, we're now putting identifying terms on the things that we went through. So while it seems like you haven't gotten over some things, you have. You just develop empathy for yourself that we weren't allowed to have in the past. But now that you're empathetic and you can see yourself as a full person and not just like as a just like, oh yeah, it's fine, but other people go through stuff. I always used to do that. I used to be like, I mean, like that was sad, but like I know people that had it worse and it's, it's, it's a way to neglect or to negate your feelings. Yeah. Other people do have worse things, but that doesn't mean that what you've been through doesn't matter. And we're not here to play the trauma Olympics anymore. Like we're not playing it. Your trauma is your trauma. My trauma is my trauma. 
the only good thing that we can say is that we're trying to work through it. And if we can be there for each other, that's that. But I'm no longer doing trauma Olympics with people. I'm working on me and that's the only person I can work on. And if I can't do shit else, if I can give grace to everybody else out in the world and their stories, I know I definitely can give myself grace because there is a lot of stuff that we have had happen to us that we just have not addressed because, you know, we live to fight another day. There's, as being Black in America, there is always something going on. There's always some stuff that's going on. There is always understanding things that happened in our past that was just normalized, you know what I mean? And once you take away, like, the fact that nobody did anything or, you know, you didn't understand what was being said to you, what was being done to you, or the detriment that it may have had on your life for years to come, you're going to feel upset about it because especially if you are looking, doing inner child work, you look at yourself as a little kid and you're like, damn, that little kid didn't deserve that. That was messed up. Like, Or, you know, that 19 year old had no idea she was severely depressed and a teacher, not an advisor, nobody knew what was going on with her. And, you know, we have those on campus. They'll be like, oh, we have on-site therapy. It's one therapist to an entire campus. And it's usually an older person and you don't feel comfortable going there, you know? It's not like, it's not very welcoming to go to therapy, you know, unless, and most of the time people, we don't even know that we're depressed. You know what I mean? Like as black people, I didn't know I was depressed. I just thought I was lazy. And I'm not going to see the college's psychologist about me being lazy, you know, like how, or that, you know, you don't want to be, you know, classify or be seen coming out, you know, the the on-campus therapy office, even though nobody knows you, but those are just the thoughts. So I just feel like as we grow, as we are getting healthier versions of ourselves, we sometimes can look back at our past and see the unhealthy version and the things that we have went through and acknowledge, you know, the pain that we went through and acknowledge a feeling towards it. And if you still feel away, that's okay. That does not mean that you're not healing. I can, I, I probably feel a feeling that I never felt in the past. I probably didn't feel anything in the past. Maybe I was just so, I was beat into me to be numb to disrespect or to traumas because so much stuff would happen on a daily basis that now that I have a better understanding of myself, better understanding of emotions, better understanding of different nuances of life, I can have a different perspective and still just, it still be my healthy self because now it's not affecting me anymore because I was able to identify exactly what it is that happened, how I felt in a moment and how I feel now. And understand that whatever it was, I didn't deserve it because I'm a good person. You know, sometimes we tell ourselves that it happened because we obviously deserved it or we put ourselves in a situation or maybe if we didn't do this or maybe if we didn't do that and have regrets. And it's just like, no, 
you didn't deserve that shit and you should be upset that it happened. You know, how big don't don't measure it. It don't matter how it compares to somebody else's trauma. It doesn't matter if it was wasn't as big as some other things that happened. It happened, you know. So as long as we continue to give ourselves grace, we'll continue to glow. We'll continue to be healthy. We'll be continuing to heal. And as far as moving forward in life and and, and identifying things, there are just some things that's just going to pop up at the past and. You probably won't think about what happened in third grade. You probably don't ever think about it. But like somebody might be like, what's the early memory that you have of this type of feeling? Like now that you're an adult, was there a time in your childhood where you felt this feeling? And you might relate the story and then you might get upset again because you know that as a child, you shouldn't have felt that feeling. Or as a woman, you shouldn't have felt that level of disrespect then, that you didn't even understand that you were experiencing at the time. So that's my two cents. Hopefully this year we are continuing to heal, glow, grow, and all of that good stuff in between. Make sure y'all check out our Instagram at Just Let It Glow. That is J-S-T Let It Glow on Instagram. On TikTok, it's Just Let It Glow. And on um, X or Twitter is Just Let It Glow. So connect with us there. I'll be posting the book of the month. Um, I always post updates on our Instagram for the most part. I really want to tap into Twitter, but I really, I don't be having a lot of time to get into the Twitter of things. So definitely check out our Instagram. That's where I provide most of the updates at. Um, So I'll see you guys soon. Have a beautiful go up this week and thank you for listening. Bye.